This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Hey, before we get to best and worst here, have we got a box? Did you we say do. we had a big box from Virginia? We do. I, I what what yeah, in the world? Yesterday, but you know, by the time I rolled back into the, the, into the states uh, Saturday night, yesterday was a major catch-up day on mail and all kinds of stuff. And so, as you well know, there's always stuff delivered here to the house, and we got a box from the University of Virginia. Good night. Yeah, I've not. I've I just cut the top. I've not looked inside. So here we go. So thanks to University of Virginia for whatever we're about ready to uncover. <laughs> I hope it's as I be- wear my new Ita- Italian watch, my new Italian watch makes its debut on the show. Oh, that's uh, oh, yeah, that was, yeah, there that it was is, an Italian. Huh? That was an Italian purchase. This is a 1953 Omega watch. It's old, old, old. Yeah, Italian. Oh, jeez, what in the world? It's not gelato. Damn that much. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. There's a note at the Pulling bottom. Pulling stuff out. Pulling it out of boxes and throwing it out. There you go. Handwritten notes. You know, I'm all about the handwritten notes. Lars. Uh, Mark and Wes. Lars. Uh, glad you loved the orange lids. And thank you for your continued oh. support of our men, Lars, yes. in the program. Yes. Hope to see this proudly displayed in the basement. Let me know if you need more swag. There you go. Look at that right there. Oh, look at that beauty. Like that, don't you? Huh? Oh, yeah. TV on the side. Does that fit on your head? Uh, nope. Numero cinque. <laughs> cinque, Wes. Golly, Pete. <laughs> I tell you what, it, it's almost the color of my head after two weeks of Italy. I like yeah. that, though. Yeah. We got, we got, I tell you what, we got right. quite a collection of uh, Virginia lacrosse helmets, man. Yeah, we do. Two, two national titles. And of course, Lars and the boys, they got knocked off by Maryland, who, by the way, congratulations to the Terps. They proved they were the Ooh. number one team in the country. They got the job done. But that's sure sweet. We appreciate, we appreciate gear, man. We love gear. Nice. There you go. Thanks to the, uh, thanks to the Cavaliers for that. Let's get to best of the weekend. Notre Dame is going to the Super Regional in Knoxville. They beat Texas Tech 2-1 to one to reach its third Super. Last year, they went to Starkville. They also reached the Super in 2002 on their way to the College World Series. But uh, tell you what now, Link Jarrett's done a terrific job, hasn't he? Pack sure and has. South Bend. Outstanding. And I Whew. mentioned all the pitching. All, yep. We got all these scores, all these crazy scores in college baseball over the weekend. But, man, Notre Dame was all about the arms, boy. They put the clamps down. And uh, Statesboro move on. They will jump on now the number one team in the country, and that's Tennessee in Knoxville. And the Super Regional is coming up this upcoming weekend. Yep. Hokies of Virginia Tech are also going to the Supers. First time ever. They beat Columbia 7-2 for their first regional title in program history. John Chef, I, I'm going to just be honest, sir. You are a fantastic baseball coach. Uh, you did it at Maryland. Uh, you have done it here in Blacksburg. Really, really impressive. Rake, rake, rake. 46 yeah. runs. That's what Virginia Tech put on the board in their three games. They take care of business, and they just sit back and await Florida and Oklahoma and let them go play 900 innings and – 
Uh, then have to rest up all week to roll into Blacksburg. That'll be a. You think that'll be a great scene in Blacksburg this week? Woo! You hey, count on it. Mm. There'll be some smoke in the outfield somewhere. Just saying, that'd be great. Well, I'll tell you this: if it's the Gators going to Blacksburg, it'll be a flashback to the softball super regional. If it's Oklahoma going to Blacksburg, it'll be a whole nother scenario. Uh, tell you what, the Sooners are. Whoa, are they impressive. Um, Brendan Tinsman, by the way, of Wake Forest, congratulations. He tied the single-season home run record in Deacon baseball history with his 24th in the regionals at College Park. This guy, he hit them out all year long, packing twice on Sundays. Well, we talked about this league, man. You like the guys going yard, brother. This conference was loaded with them. Uh, from Max Wagner at Clemson and what Tommy White was doing at NC State. We talked about Jake Eloff hit two yesterday for Virginia. The list goes on and on. Of course, Georgia Tech's got their guy. I mean, this league had guys that can absolutely go deep. Yep, That's not a problem. Deeks Deeks stay on the list, too. They increased their win total by 21 games from last year. 41 wins this year for Tom Walter's team. The largest year-to-year turnaround in their program history. So congratulations to Wake Forest on that accomplishment as well. Um, Deacons are clearly, you know, back to the days in the late 90s, Pack. You may remember when George Greer was their coach and, man, they were putting guys (laughs) – they were putting guys everywhere. Not only guys going to the majors, but they had three straight really good ACC uh, tournament title type teams and then went to the NCAAs. Uh, Never made the World Series, but – Wake Forest was terrific. Um, yeah, but you know Yo-Yo what, though? Morales but, but Wes, is next. Wes, oh, you know what, yes, though? Sir. But Wake in the mid-50s won the whole deal, right? Yeah. We, we keep talking about how Omaha sure has not been kind to the ACC in some respects. Wake won it in the mid-50s in Virginia. Coach Connor and the boys took care of business back in, uh, what, 2015? Mm-hmm. Uh, but in between, we've had a ton of teams make it, but just not be able to figure a way to close the deal. Yep. Uh, Yo-Yo Morales became the fourth Miami player to hit three home runs in a postseason game, and he did it against Canisius, uh, joining Lale Esquivel in 99, Kevin Brown in 01, and Scott Lawson in 2010. And the last one's my favorite because he counts it off after he hits it. He counts it off as he's headed to first. This guy's some kind of talent now, by the way. Here it is. Watch this. He starts up the first baseline. One, two, three. There it is. <laughs> so, home run for Morales. Three in the game. Tough weekend for Miami, but that was clearly a bright spot. Yeah, he's a big-time player. I was just hoping the Canes could figure out a way to close out the mm. game last night, especially against Arizona. Yep. I gave you that stat earlier about being 39-0. and with the lead after eight innings. Unfortunately, that now has a blemish on it as Miami's sitting on the couch. The winningest active coach in NCAA baseball is Georgia Tech's Danny Hall. Yesterday, with the Jackets' win against Campbell, Coach Hall now in season 29 in Atlanta, became the winningest active coach in NCAA baseball. So congratulations to Danny Hall. Good it's a heck man. of a deal there. Yeah, no doubt. He's a good dude, yep. really good coach. I know they had a tough task in uh, another team with an opportunity last night, late, 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 to knock off Tennessee and force a deciding game uh, seven, if you will, 
uh, today. But, man, give the Vols credit. They found a way to put that sixth spot in the ninth, and that is game, set, match. Uh, star of the day in Chapel Hill yesterday was Vance Honeycutt, the ACC Tournament Championship MVP. He saved the game against Georgia. You see the score, 6-5, bottom of the ninth, one out. That is a fly ball, deep center field. Dogs are thinking we're going to tie. No, Honeycutt steals it. How sweet was that play right there? Holy mackerel. Yep. Some kind of play there. Hey, North Carolina is playing their Some best. Kind of play. They're playing their best baseball of the year. They came storming in here through Charlotte, won the ACC championship, and life is good. But they've got one more to win tonight, 6 p.m. against yep. VCU. See if they can pull it off. Yep. So does Louisville, who scored 20 runs in an NCAA tournament game for just the second time in program history. They scored 20 in a 20-2 win over Oklahoma State in Game 3 of the 2007 Super Regional. Yesterday, Louisville just decided, you know what? We're going to sling bats all day long. They put 20 on the board against Michigan. So those two play again today. Yeah, I've got to beat them again. Again, winner moves. This is a loser leave town Monday in college baseball. But uh, that's a high noon Mm -hmm. uh, first pitch. Again, weather permitting. Uh, and one thing we've also seen, too, in this tournament and really all season long is if you could get into bullpens in college baseball, man, the way these kids hit, there's there's some crazy crooked numbers going up, Wes. I mean, some big mm-hmm. numbers going the other way. Bananas. Yep. Uh, congratulations to Virginia's Jake Geloff, by the way, set the single-season RBI record. Uh, in the regional down at Greenville, he finishes the campaign with 78 runs batted in. Yeah, two, Pretty unbelievable. Went, went yard twice yesterday. I know Virginia's looking back at Coastal Carolina going, man, we're up six zip. We got to win that game and move on. And hey, give Coastal Carolina credit. They won a national championship a few years ago. They rallied past uh, Virginia to win this game. And then they went on and yep. beat East Carolina. And they forced another game in uh, in. Uh, G G Town, they're in Greenville, right? Vegas. Greenville, yeah. Greenville, yeah, Greenville, yeah. Pitt Pirates County, Pittsburgh, Pitt County. Great barbecue, know that much. Irates, Pirates, getting after it. All right, uh, when we come back, worst of the weekend. I'm not gonna lie to you now, worst of the weekend. Oh, the Knowles, bless Coastal Carolina. We just talked about. Oh, John Hendricks, good to see you. We'll talk about that more coming up next. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham. It's a Monday. Show number 640 for those keeping score. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. We're going through the best and worst of the weekend. We just gave you the highlights, but Wes, as we always do, you got to balance it out. Unfortunately, oh there were some things that we were not real thrilled about, but uh, we do have to get everybody up to no. speed with what took place. Uh, how about uh, Scott Forbes and a uh, two-game suspension for two botch calls in the Carolina VCU game the other night, right? Well, This is uh, Mark Wagers, the second base umpire. No, drop ball. We're going to call that fair. And we're going to call that a double play. 
And Scott Forbes is like, wait a second. How's that not infield fly, right? It is. It is. There's Lincoln, he, Nebraska's Jeff Henricks, the home plate umpire, by the yeah, way. Yeah, he's gone. But We're the good gone. news, though, for Coach is that uh, he's he's back today. Uh, as a matter of fact, 6 p.m. tonight. And the heels are alive and kicking thanks to number one spanking VCU last night after narrowly surviving the Georgia Bulldogs in that incredible catch in the ninth inning. So the uh, Tar Heels win two, had two, and they move on. And tonight, guess what? Coach yep. is back and the heels are back. And uh, hopefully tomorrow morning when we're talking, we're talking about both Louisville and North Carolina punching their tickets to join Notre Dame and Virginia Tech in the Super Regionals. Absolutely. Uh, tough storyline for Florida State. The Knolls were 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position and 1 for 13 with runners in scoring position yesterday against Florida State. The season ends at Auburn in the NCAA Regionals for Mike Martin Jr.'s team. Goodness. That stinks. Got to be honest with you. Yeah. That one stinks. I mean, Arizona did it to uh, Miami last night. UCLA did it to Florida State. That Pac-12 thing was a thorn in the side mm-hmm. over the weekend. I got to be honest with you. Yep. Um, Virginia is on the bus back to Charlottesville. First time this season the Cavaliers have uh, lost a game in which they were leading by four or more runs this year. Um, that's a difficult way to, for it to go down for Brian O'Connor's team, too. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, well, you know, Virginia, kind of they kind of teased us all year, didn't they? they? They were a team that when they got it going yeah. on, man, they were really, really good. And then there were times they just kind of sputtered and couldn't quite figure it out. But that's a tough way to go out. You're up, you know, you're up six zip. You got to figure, hey, let's go close the deal, mm-hmm. get rid of these guys, and let's go beat East Carolina twice and go punch our ticket. And it's a team that's had really yep. great success in the tournament in recent memory. So to see an early exit mm-hmm. like this from Virginia, especially up 6 nothing, that, that's a that's a bitter way to end the season. There's no question. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, Wake Forest ends the season ahead of the regional final at College Park. Uh, UConn got them and then Maryland got them. Last time they played in a regional, 2017. So the return has been a good one. Or last time they played in a regional final was 2017. And tough end for the Deeks, too. That's the problem. I mean, you feel for these teams on the finality of this. And, Pac, when you play those games where you get, you know, you lose the day before and then you turn around and have the elimination game, I think that's the hardest baseball game for both those teams to play in because they know the loser's season is over. And for Wake Forest, it comes to a close against a Maryland team that – just kind of keeps battling. I think UConn has played very well in College Park, but uh, it'll be interesting. That is a that's an intriguing game today to send somebody to the Super Regionals for sure. Well, there, there's a theme with the ACC in this one, and just like I said last hour, big leads and we're not able to close the deal. Yeah. Wake Forest was really in a good spot. They're up five two in an elimination game against a really talented Maryland team on their home field. And the eighth inning got mm-hmm. him. And last night with Miami, and again, you know, you lose a tough one to Ole Miss, 2-1, a one-run game. You got the lead late against Arizona. You can't close the deal. Virginia's up six-zip, can't close the deal. So, you know, Georgia Tech last night against Tennessee, you're up 4 nothing. You get in the ninth inning, you give up six runs, you can't close the deal. A theme, certainly, with ACC baseball over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, Miami, you mentioned, uh, entered the game 39-0. and 
when leading after eight innings, and they became the second national seed to uh, to be eliminated as well. Uh, so the Canes season is over. Um, they've got one more worst of the weekend here. And it's kind of off the ACC grid, so to speak, but very show applicable. Worst of the weekend is ending your Italian vacation with this <laughs> on the flight home. What in the world? That's American Airlines. Uh, you know, I got to tell you, and I, I can't, you know, you know, me and American Airlines have had this relationship, right? But you go two weeks. If that's weeks, what you want to call it. Yeah, well, it is a relationship. Uh, but we go two weeks eating the greatest food in the world in Italy. I mean, just incredible food. And you get on a plane from Rome to get back to the States. And it's a 10-hour flight. And they're going to serve you twice, all right? Now, I'm back there with the roosters and the chickens back in 28 D, E, and F, and J, and all that. But the offering for the first amount of food is either A, that pasta, which you just saw, if you want to call it that, or B, meatballs. And I'm thinking to myself, sitting back there with the farm animals, hey, American Airlines, you got a full flight, a couple hundred people jumping on the plane. We're just getting on the plane from Rome. I think the last thing you should ever offer any passenger leaving Italy is your version of Italian food. And yeah. and and when the flight attendant said, you either can have whatever that was described as or meatballs, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? How about just a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Can you guys butcher that? So I, I don't want to rip them too hard because they actually got us home and all the luggage made it, all the gifts made it, and we're on time. But man alive, how in the world do you offer that? And you know what, Wes? You know what the second meal was? Let's take a guess. Three hours later. Spaghetti? No, but you're Spaghetti. not far you're not far off. The second meal Lasagna. A folded pizza. I'm thinking to myself, hey American Airlines, somebody needs to get a hold of you guys and understand. Don't even Go there. Nobody on the plane wants to eat any more pasta or pizza or meatballs. Not from your kitchen. Tu cocina. No. No, 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 no. But that's what we had. So I stared at it, Wes. I did. I stared at it. And I just waited for the and I just waited for the cart to come back. I said, please take this yeah. away from me. Please. Yeah. Por favor. Yeah. Don't. So you didn't eat the you did not eat the you did not eat the Italian food on the plane coming home after your Italian vacation. Wes. How could you? How could how could how could anybody after two weeks of Italy actually say, I'm now back in the States and for tonight, let's go out to dinner. Hey, how about some pasta? No. Now look at that. But I do like that. The nice touch, though, was the Italian dressing, just to really make you feel right at That's, home. Yeah. Yeah, the the, bre- the dressing and the uh, uh, the cheese for the, you know, the crackers and all the two-cracker snack pack from Jacob's looked delightful to go with your pasta on the plane. Yeah. 
I had to take plastic a plastic cutlery too. I'm sure would have been ideal. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, I'm not sitting in first class. No, no, no. Is that supposed uh, to be tomatoes on there, or is that uh, like some sort of cured beef? I'm not sure. I I got my knife, my plastic knife, and I kind of poked at it to make sure nothing was moving. I couldn't tell if it was pepperoni <laughs> or like peppers. I, I'm not sure what it was. Pomodoro. Uh, I don't know what that was, but we'll have to see before we're done today if we can take the American Airlines Italian with that dish you showed us with asparagus early oh, and see we could do the compare and contrast there. Well, that's what I put on Twitter. I put an A and a B, you know. By the way, um, yeah. can I say one thing? Can we get rid of the music for a second? Just for a second. Thank you. Glazzy. Glazzy. Um, oh, my gosh. I'm now doing a show. I'm doing a show with like Vic Damone or somebody here because you're going to throw in the Dom Corleone's long lost grandson is here. You're going to throw in the Italian along the way. Okay, go ahead. So I got to say one thing about American Airlines. (laughs) Wes, I am not making this up. I laughed and and even my girls are like, dad, you can't make this up. I I swear to God. So you know, you get the, the thing from the airline, like, hey, you can now check in the day before. And so, oh, we're, yeah. so we're in Rome. This is uh, Friday. We're leaving Saturday morning. And um, I think it was Saturday morning, whatever. So um, I get this thing from American Airlines that you are locked and loaded on your flight. However, we're going to offer you an opportunity if you would like to take advantage of it of a Upgrade. less uh, no 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 of a less oh. filled flight. So I click it like okay, let's see all right, let's see what you're offering. I mean, I know I'm leaving at whatever time we were leaving Saturday morning 10 a.m. or whatever it was. Right. And we sure. get to, and we get into Charlotte like at 7:45 p.m. So I click it, Wes. They have four flights that they're offering you the opportunity, right? And I'm like, okay, well, let me see what the first one is. The first one gets you home three hours later. I'm like, well, that's out. Okay. Well, who would who would want to write? You know, why am I in, interested in that? Unless you're going to pay me, right? Mm-hmm. Offer two okay. yeah. got me in like two hours. All four flights got me in later than when I was originally on. But yet there was no offer or upgrade. Like, hey, if you decide to do this, even though you're going to get home later, we'll give you like all the pasta you can eat. on. What You got to give me something other than, oh, here's a good idea. Let me get rid of the flight I'm on so I can get in three hours later. That was the offer by the airline. And I kept, I kept scrolling, good girls, I'm going to read this out loud. Maybe I'm missing something here. But this is an airline that's giving us four flights as an opportunity to get home later. And that's the incentive. And I'm like, what is up with this airline? I cannot figure them out. That's why me and this airline have this relationship, man. Just, yeah, it just do. doesn't work. Just doesn't work. But they yep. got us home in one piece. So thank you, American Airlines. Great job. Need to upgrade that pasta, though. And that uh, folded pizza thing we were offering, and that whatever those meatballs were that uh, 
I don't think they were meatballs. I just, call me crazy. Yeah. Whatever. All right. Uh, we had a little administrative work go on while you were away. Yeah, I'm glad Blake to see Blake James back. has returned to the ACC. He's nice. at Boston College. And the interim tag has been scrubbed away from Josh Hurd. He's now the boss in Louisville. We'll talk about that more next on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. So when we uh, set out to do the search, we had two things that we wanted everyone to do. We wanted everyone that was involved from the advisory committee, from me, um, and any of the candidates to sign an NDA. And then we also needed an updated resume from the people who were interested in the job. And I will tell you why we did the NDA. When a person that is a sitting AD applies for a job, if that person's name is out and he or she doesn't get the job, it may shake the faith in that person at their, at their home institution. And I wanted to make sure that anyone that expressed an interest in our uh, university would be protected. So those were two documents that people, that, that was kind of the gateway into being considered for the job. Did Tom Jurich refuse to sign one? So when I said that I signed an NDA to keep confidentiality, <laughs> Um, what that means is I'm not going to talk about any candidates or potential candidates. Um, I will say that everyone that provided those two documents were considered. Aha! Now you know the rest mm-hmm. of the story. Uh, I like both these colors so, in the ACC. I do. Yeah. Well, I think I think Josh Hurd has proven in the six months as the interim athletics director at the University of Louisville, he's more than capable for the job, his pedigree speaks to it, and certainly his interim work. And you know, we had that chance to visit with Kenny Payne and Amelia Allen. We know Scott Satterfield, Dan McDonald was on with us last week. We talked to Jeff Walls. I think he did some really good culture work in those six months too, and I think that counts. I think that counted in his candidacy when they got in that room. Plus, 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 plus. Here's the other thing: the Tom Jurich candidacy became a distraction for the University of Louisville. They didn't need more distractions. Louisville needs straight path now, simplicity, right, Pac? They've had enough chaos for a while. Tom Jurich would have given them more chaos no matter how successful anybody thought he was going to be. Josh Hurd gives them simplicity. He gives them culture. He gives them a path forward, not a path of distraction, not a path of things like that that keep you off the task at hand, which is you know dealing with what major college athletics is now. Well, yeah, you have to build a foundation. It's true in any organization. I think that's exactly what you're seeing right now at the University of Louisville. And I think that is a good thing. It's a necessary thing, given uh, especially what the mm-hmm. basketball program has been going through and will continue to until the NCAA finally wakes up from their deep slumber and determines, hey, if there's any penalties coming their way. And it's kind of hard to move forward until you can put all of that in your rearview mirror. But you better have leadership. I mean, you've got to have it in this day and age. And I just think that Louisville did their due diligence, and they've got somebody in place that understands the culture and understands what needs to move ahead. You mentioned our conversation with Kenny Payne at Amelia Allen. He was terrific. And I think Louisville fans are mm-hmm. comfortable knowing that one of their own is running the show. It's one of the conversations. It's one of, really one of the topics of conversation that we have with Coach. So I, I think Louisville is heading in the right direction. What they need more than anything else is for the NCAA 
to at least allow them to understand what are the penalties, if there are going to even be any, and let's move forward. The sooner, the better for all parties involved. Totally agree. Yep, totally agree. Let's go to uh, Josh Hurd on uh, does his hiring bring that stability to Louisville we're talking about? I hope it's a big step. Uh, I I hope (laughs) that I'm going to be here for a long time. Uh, That's my goal. Uh, I can promise you that uh, I, I, I will never have another job as long as people want me to be the athletic director here. Uh, this, this job is a dream come true. Uh, when I think about 2007, when I started here as a, as a grad assistant, uh, Amy and I in our little closet of an office, um, it, to be up here today, um, it means I, I can't put it into words uh, what it means to stand up here and be the athletic director for the University of Louisville. How about I think, that? I think it's great. If you're a Louisville fan, that's exactly what you want to hear. Hey, I, I want people here for the long term, and let's roll up our sleeves and get to work. And like I said, the first order of business has got to be, hey, NCAA, do your job. Are we guilty or are we not guilty? What's the – I mean, mm-hmm. enough. We've been down – how many years has this thing been going on? At some point in time, you've got to put that thing in the rearview mirror. But I like the direction that Louisville's going in. Yeah, uh, Lori Gonzalez, by the way, the interim president at Louisville, also talked about how Josh Hurd uh, not only won, but also earned the opportunity to be the athletic director. What, what I want to say about Josh is Josh won this position. He had stiff competition. Um, he had people who were sitting ADs um, that had had winning teams. But when we looked at the skill set he brings, and the first word I talk about with Josh is integrity. And then he has a belief in student athletes, and he wants to support his coaches. So his successes were measured just like other successes of other ADs. And bringing Kenny on was, I don't know, notable, perhaps. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a good word, notable. Well, again... You've got one of your own running the show. I, I, I think if you, you got the pom-poms out and you love Louisville, everything, that's exactly what you want. You want somebody that says, hey, we're yep. true to the school. Let's go win games and let's go dominate again. Let's get that basketball program rocking. Scott Satterfield hopefully turned mm-hmm. this thing around in a football perspective. Baseball has always been really, really good. But women's basketball is a standard uh, there's a lot of upside at the University of Louisville. What you need is the foundation to be strong. I think you're seeing that right now fall into place. Pac, you and I had heard long ago that Blake James was a candidate at Boston College. Uh, we also heard of other candidates at Boston College along the way in the last month or so after Pat Kraft left uh, right around the two-year mark to take the job at Penn State. I think we were both optimistic that Blake James was the right fit at Boston College, but BC ultimately had to make a good decision. I thought they made a great decision. I think Blake James is not only a deserving athletic director, but I think he's a good one. I mean, I thought we enjoyed our conversations when he was at the University of Miami. That did not end well. I'm not sure, quite frankly, how much of those circumstances would have been applicable to just Blake James or to anybody at that particular time. But I am delighted to see him get an opportunity at Boston College as their AD. Yeah, I'm glad he's back in the ACC too. Uh, and, and again, BC 
has kind of gone through. That's been kind of a crazy situation. That job, the last couple yep. of years, even since we've taken over mm-hmm. uh, doing the dog and pony on the Central and now the Packer and Durham, uh, we go back to stability all the time. Here's a guy that absolutely knows the league inside and out. So there is, he, he'll hit the ground running at Chestnut Hill, understanding what the conference is all about. Uh, I, I think this was a no-brainer decision. That was a really good hire by Boston right. College. And Blake, again, understands college athletics. He certainly understands the ACC. So I don't think that's going to be an issue whatsoever. Yeah. So uh, Blake James was uh, also quoted as saying, uh, when you look at my record, those that know the industry know that having been at Miami for nine years, there's plenty of opportunities if I would have wanted to leave to take advantage of those. As I said to Father Leahy, I plan on being here through retirement. Now, he is from the Northeast. We have actually had him on this show when he's been in his uh, home in Maine, which is stunning. Uh, he spent, I think, a good bit of the pandemic there. I, I have great confidence that what he's telling you is the truth. I think it's important to Father Leahy because losing Pat Kraft and Martin Jarman in pretty quick fashion has kind of uh, jaded BC a little bit, Pack. but it looks like that they're very comfortable with Blake James and he with them at this point. Well, like just like I said with Louisville, you, you have to have solid foundation at the top. The one thing we have talked about almost ad nauseum on this show since we started doing it is the collection right. of athletic directors in this league has never been better. Never been better. And that is so important given the landscape that we currently have in college athletics, not to beat up on name, image, and likeness and all the litigation and where we're headed and what has even been discussed in the last couple of weeks. I mean, you better have somebody in place that's running your organization that understands what's going on right now in college athletics. And nobody's going to debate or argue about Blake James understanding the ACC or the national issues. I think BC had a really, really, to me, sitting in this chair, it's easy to say, oh, it's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. you got to go through the process. But I think Boston College found the right guy. I really do. No, I'm with you on that. And uh, that brings the ACC back current to its roster of athletic directors as well. And that's a good thing. We needed kind of that stability, certainly, as we get to the fall campaign, right? No question. And, you know, for BC in particular, you mentioned Martin Jarman, quality duty. He's out now doing his thing at UCLA. Pat, we mm-hmm. loved him a great deal. He's now at Penn State. Uh, they've hired really great people for that job. And given the fact that we've had a chance to know Blake a little bit with his time at Miami, and that might not have ended well, but guess what? All, all that stuff seemingly works itself out in some shape, way, or form. And for Blake right. James, he's right back in a league that he loves and at a school where he can have success. So that gets us to a uh, another break here. And when we come back on the other side, Friday, Drew Carter and I had a chance to talk to the quarterback of the Wake Forest, Demon Deacons. We sat down with uh, Sam Hartman get caught up on uh, what the offseason's like and come to find out he just finished a workout. We'll talk about that more when we continue on Monday's edition of Packer and Durham. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham on a Monday. While I was gone, Mr. Durham, you guys are talking to the... Uh, Quarterback at Wake Forest, Deeks are 87 days away from kicking off the 2022 campaign, and they're going to be loaded again. Kind of curious to see where some of the uh, experts are going to have them in the top 25. They'll probably get dissed because of the Swiss. I get it, but they're going to be really, really talented, yeah. especially on the offensive side of the ball. 
Pac, I've come to find out that our female demographic numbers go up when Sam Hartman's on the show. I wonder why that is. Why do you think that is? Oh, uh, you know, uh, you know, I think he, uh, I think he brings a certain uh, flair to the show. How's that, right? I'll take your word for it. I have, I've not looked at yeah. the numbers, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I heard from a lot of people. Friday night, I was at Radford University. A couple of ladies came by and said, I like Sam Harmon, the Wake Forest quarterback. He's cute. I'll pass that along. Thank you very much. Uh, here's our visit with Sam Hartman. We started by saying, what does it say about Wake Forest when a guy like A.T. Perry, who could have declared for the draft, comes back? I mean, he loves it here. I mean, he's, you know, it's, I think the great thing about Wake Forest and what you'll see here is, you know, A.T. Perry was a freshman here. He was a sophomore here. He was a junior here. He was a senior here. And, you know, there on and there on. And what I mean by that is guys are built here and they, you know, they almost owe it to Wake Forest to give back for maybe another year or two more years. Or like Javionte Nash, it's seven years. Um, hmm. You've, you've, you, when you invest in something and you put in as much time as a lot of the guys here put into and you do it the right way, um, it, you almost feel obligated. And it's in a good obligation. It's like giving back to charity if you have a lot of money, right? It's like that same feeling. And it's not like Wake Forest is a charity. I don't want that to sound like that at all. It's a, it's a great opportunity for one AT to develop and get better. But, you know, he's, you know, you're, he's a, can go down in history as one of the best receivers at a, you know, D1 program in a power five conference. Like, I feel like that's gotta be a draw, right? You know, you have coach Higgins as your, um, head, your coach and then coach Clawson and coach R. I mean, that's, it's a, it's pretty much paradise here for a receiver. And you're starting to see that with our, you know, bigger time recruits coming through. But I mean, AT would mm-hmm. tell you, he wasn't ready to play when he showed up as a freshman. And you know, at a lot of schools, you just get kicked to the wayside and you never see the field and you end up transferring after year two. But that's the great thing about Wake is they invest in you. Even if you're not the guy, right, you're going to get the developmental period. And you're going to get the ability to make yourself a one. And then you turn out like an AT Perry. Like everybody who's come through here that you see, like, I mean, even myself, right, as a freshman, yeah, I played, but I was terrible. And it's like they stuck by me. You know, big school, like, you know, bigger school is I get, you know, I'm, I don't produce. And then it's you never see me again. I'm at some smaller school. Um, so that's the great thing about Wake and a reason why probably AT stays is they invested in him. He's going to invest back and it's a, it's a great, it's a great program to be a part of. It's a great process to be a part of and it's proven time and time again to be successful. I want to ask you about the other side of the ball here because I know these throwing practices are sometimes on air and sometimes they're defended. Brad Lambert comes back to Wake Forest. He had been there with Jim Grove and then went off to be a head coach and start the program at Charlotte, has now come back from Purdue as the defensive coordinator. And I know he's got emphasis on secondary play. Um, As much as you see growth in wide receivers, do you sense also a growth on the other side of the ball from those workouts as well? Yeah, I mean, I'd first just give a shout out to Coach Lambert. Um, You know, he's only been here for a couple months and his impact is – on both sides of the ball, the whole team, right? When he, you know, introduced himself to our team uh, back before the spring kind of started, I mean, you just got a sense from the guy, right? You know, obviously he built a program at Charlotte and then Purdue, but, um, you know, he's just got that aura around him that, you know, you want to follow him. Like, I don't even play defense. I'll hopefully never play defense. I'll hopefully never really have to tackle anybody. But, like, I've, I'll, <laughs> if we if they need me to, you know, Coach Lambert's got my number and, you know, I'm, I'm ready to strap it up if it, if it comes down to it and, um, you know, all those guys, Coach Adams, 
uh, Coach Spencer, everybody along that, and the guys that came back. I mean, it's just it's a great group of guys, and there's kind of the cool thing about Wake Forest and the cool thing about really this entire program going back to really why AD stays is the coaching turnover. When you really look at it, right, obviously on the offensive side of the ball, these guys have been here since Coach Kaufman has been here. Is that anywhere else in the country? Probably not. Yeah. And then you look at the defense, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, we got a new coaching staff. But Coach Adams played here in 06, right? Coach Lambert coached here back in those back in the Grove era, right? So it's way yep. force blood through and through. Um, and I, and I think that that's something that Coach Clawson has established. And I, you don't find that anywhere else in the country where it's, yeah, maybe a head coach days, but then everyone underneath, it's just the carousel. Like it's everybody is the OCs. I walk down and I know every one of their kids, every one of their, their wives, everybody in their family, extended family, cause they've been here for so long. And that's that, you know, relationship that you can build. And then on defense, right? It's the same thing. And I think coach Lambert's been doing a great job. Um, the kids are bought in, you know, the guys are flying around like the spring ball is one of the most competitive spring balls I've been a part of. Um, and it's just been really cool to see. And I, I'm excited for our defense, you know, cause you know, coach Lambert's got that edge and, and I think that's what we need. And it's going to be, it's going to be fun to be a part of for sure. All right. I want to get one thing cleared up here before we say goodbye, cause it is June and, you know, I'm sure you're going to go to the ACC kickoff in July and we can get caught up in on some other things. Um, so you're listed as like a red shirt sophomore something here. I don't know where you are in this whole deal. Can you clarify exactly, you know, like how old you are? And like in the spring, we had you listed as like a red shirt junior. Are you a red shirt junior? Are you, I mean, you've gotten your degree, right? Are you done? I mean, where are we in this, Sam? So I'm 27. I have my doctorate. In, no, I'm kidding. Um, I'm, I'll be 23 in July. Um, I'll be 23 in July. I'm, I am, I'm graduating, graduated. Um, and I'm a, I have this year and another year of eligibility. So I would be a redshirt junior technically, which is crazy and had no plan of doing this, but you know, that's how it works and I would change it for the world. So I'm excited. Yeah. This is the one. This is it, it's, though. But this is—I do have another year after this. I tell you what, I'd never leave school. Clarity. If, if you had an Clarity. opportunity to stay in college for ten years, I'd stay for ten years. Seriously, why not? What a deal. Be Sam don't Hartman. You, don't you like good-looking guy, Winston Salem, chilling out, knows everybody, yeah. quarterback, yeah. life is good. Going to have a sure. top 15 team, defending champs of the Atlantic Division. Won 11 games last year. Going to be good again this year. Why, why would you leave? Life's, I mean, you got it right where you want it. Right there in the sweet spot. Yeah. Um, don't you like when I started down the road of the question, he started laughing because that's how much he gets the question, you know? What, how old are you? What's the deal now? You know? Well, I will say this. When the NCAA gave everybody the additional year, it did make it confusing. Between the COVID and the redshirting, yeah. I mean, it really does get crazy. And again, wasn't wild to think that some guys have been playing six years in college. We saw that story a few times. So, again, if you're Dave Clawson, uh, you might do the paperwork and say, no, you actually have a, maybe another additional year on top of that somewhere. I, you know, who knows how that thing's going to work yep. out. But I do know this. Wake Forest football is in great shape, and uh, Dave Clawson's done a brilliant job. And 
For folks that discount the Deeks and what they did last year, you are making a terrible mistake. That guy can coach. Yep. The offensive talent back for this team in the upcoming 22 season is out of sight. And uh, Clemson's going to get mm-hmm. a ton of accolades. NC State's going to get a ton of accolades. But do not discount Wake Forest in the Atlantic Division. They are the defending division champs. And you know what? If you think yep. they're just going to go by the wayside, you will be wrong. They are not. They're going to be a factor mm-hmm. big time. Uh, by the way, while you were gone, we didn't have any movement on the schedule model or any of the other little things you thought might have happened while your two weeks was taking place and you were following, you know, AC Milan in Syria. Well, um, I, I do have to tell yeah. you about uh, AC Milan real quick because. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that in a moment. All right. You want me to hold yeah, we're off? We're going to talk about that in a moment. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah I did have some SEC in fact, guy. When we come- oh, anyway, I did have some SEC guy. Send me a, a text and say, Pack, uh, ask some of those folks in Italy what they think about this whole Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher thing. I said, oh, all right, I will. <laughs> Golly, and, and so I responded back to the guy about an hour later. I said, I've asked 10 Italians. And you know what? Every one of them said, never heard of either one of them. So let that just marinate yeah. a second that, hey, you know, some folks in the go. other part of the world simply do not care about a little Southern fried football. Yeah. Well, Scott Woodward, the AD at LSU, had the greatest quote ever about that whole situation, and we'll just let it go right there. Uh, when we come back, power hour, more from Italy, include – oh, my gosh, really? Wow, yeah. More vacation st- – oh, hey, hey, in the grotto. You All and right. Mrs. P. All, All right. right. Uh, back with more on Packer's Italian vacation, as we say here in the South next. Packer and Durham.